The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is the Spirituality and Health Podcast. Our guest today, Machiel Clark, is an award-winning social entrepreneur whose latest book is Dream Guidance, Connection to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. He also has a recent article in the May-June issue of Spirituality Health Magazine. The essay is called How to Get Guidance from Your Dreams. Machiel Clerk, welcome to Spirituality and Health Podcast. Thank you. It's a joy and pleasure to be here, Rami. Well, I am looking forward to this conversation. I'm very interested in dream work, and your book was quite enlightening. Actually, there's so much in the book that I'm afraid I could get lost in the weeds and we're going to miss the basics. So, so let mm. me make sure we start off you know, where everyone can follow. So give us your understanding of dreams, where they come from, why they matter. What's your basic approach to dream work? Well, that's just a really great question. I think that in, in why dreams matter is that dreams have an ability to provide a kind of a psychological x-ray of where we are in our life. So that is one way. We can see inside ourselves in corners and areas that are otherwise not easily accessible for us, but the dream will display dynamics that we have that are either a positive or negative. Next to that, dreams also have the ability to provide the support and guidance as if they want us to become ourselves and there's something inside our dream that likes to help and support. So people can have dreams about things that would be good for them to, to eat or the directions to go. My company, the Young Platform, I got the idea in a dream and there are countless examples of creative people that have had some breakthrough in, in dreams. So dreams are a source that can support and help a person on their path. So that is why I think that dreams are really important and helpful. I can say more about what I think a dream is, but let me just stop here for a moment. So I am really taken with this notion of psychological x-ray. I, I, I love that phrase. When I go in for a physiological x-ray, I need a technician to take the x-ray, and then I need someone who supposedly has the credentials to read the x-ray and tell me what it says. How, does, how applicable is that to dream work? Do I need 
I mean, I dream for myself, so I don't need a technician to, to, you know, take the x-ray. But do I need someone to help me read it or, or can I just do this on my own? I think that often it can be helpful to have someone that provides a perspective. But at the end of the day, you, the dreamer, are the ultimate authority of what your dream means and indicates. And with a little bit of work and uh, some honesty, you can get uh, very far. You could look at your dream and just ask, what are these dream characters doing? And do I see parallels of that in my own life? And then that will already start revealing quite a lot of information. So I think we can do dream work alone. And if someone else wants to join in, welcome. Sometimes they bring additional information that, that, or ask us questions that we didn't ask ourselves. So when you're working with someone who's working with their dreams, I mean, I guess I, I, my bias would be, and maybe this is just me personally, that they would tend to interpret the dream, I was going to say superficially, but they, they're, they're going to make the dream out to be something positive. But the dreams are not always positive. They can be warnings, I'm assuming. They, so how right. can you really trust this is a terrible question, I guess. Can yeah. I really trust myself when I'm doing this? Or is that why I would go, uh, I mean, I've worked with people who are, help help me do the dream interpretation because I don't trust myself. I think I'm going to make it too easy. Uh, well, what's your experience with working with people? Yeah, they're, they're of, sometimes people have the tendency to be too rosy with themselves. Yeah, Other people are too negative towards themselves. So in, if, you, if we go back to most indigenous cultures or traditions that work with dream throughout history, very often they would bring the dream into, into the tribe or visit the medicine man or someone that would help them with their dream. So dreams weren't as personal as they are these days. However, with some healthy honesty that we need in any way to grow in our life, to become more conscious, we can get to a certain extent, we can work with our own dreams, but we have to, uh, to do a self-check a self when, uh, when we work with dreams. So I, I hear your, your pondering. Where do you think they come from? I'm thinking in terms of, let me put it this way. Do you think there's an aspect of the self and you can say unconscious or because we're going to talk about Jung a little bit later, but where do they come from that the dream might know something my conscious mind doesn't? Is I it, think it, that, yeah, 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 great question. I think that we are interconnected with something larger than ourselves whether we call this a soul or a mystery force or the great friend or whatever name we give to that, that myst mysterious force that we are connected to. And, and therefore, in the dream, we can encounter aspects or we can get teachings or suggestions from something that is not uh, I. And this uh, not I seems to know quite a bit about our lives and can provide the feedback and suggestions. So I that that is my working assumption. We're connected to something larger than ourselves. Do you assume this larger something is self-aware? I, I do think it is yes, I think it is aware and and it and it seems to be very intelligent and very compassionate and on standby to help humans who reach out to it for support. I mean, this opens up a whole new avenue for conversation. And I have some more questions on it because it's so interesting. 
because first I thought maybe we'd be talking about the soul and a larger sense of consciousness of which the ego is simply ignorant. But now it sounds like you're saying maybe, and I don't mean this literally, but I don't know other words to use. I mean, you could talk about angels, you could talk about gods or God. Mm -hmm. Would those labels work for you? Or, I mean, they don't work for me. (laughs) They make me a little crazy. But the idea of a larger consciousness of which I'm a part, that that works. But anyway, how would you... Yeah, hear it. What I think is that we're connected to something larger than ourselves. And I have the tendency to call it the mystery, a mystery force. Okay. Because I do not claim to know its exact nature. And I don't want to make those assumptions either that I start thinking that I know that. So I like to just call it the mystery force. And this mystery force... We can see in dreams that it delivers pieces of music, creative breakthroughs, suggestions. There's something that it does that seems to people on their life path. And that is from my experience, what I can say about it. Yeah. Do you have a sense, and I'm going to stop after this, it's just this so fascinates me. Do you have a sense that the mystery force is each person has their own mystery force? Or is it a cosmic thing and we just... We're all tapped into it, and we receive what we receive filtered through our egoic mind. Well, if experience in dreams is that we can encounter in dreams figures that say things to us that are startling and new. So uh, the dream is a world that we find ourselves in, and we meet their characters that do things and know things that uh, that we don't know. But it also appears that you could, in a dream, if you, for example, become a lucid, you could ask these characters, who are you? What do you do here? Do you have a message for me? And some figures can show us things that we don't know. I can give some examples. But then you could also reach out to something like a larger awareness that seems to stand behind the dream that is also able to answer questions that we have. So Yeah, I mean, it really is fascinating. I I guess everyone filters this stuff through their own way of of looking at this. In Judaism, we talk about narrow mind and spacious mind. Narrow mind rests in spacious mind, in a sense. But spacious mind knows so much more than narrow mind, your normal waking ego state, knows. But it's all, and it's all very personal. It's not, I don't know how Jung puts it, but it's not the collective unconscious. It's a step between the ego and the collective that is in touch with both, I guess, this spacious mind idea. And would there be a beyond spacious mind and other phenomenon? Yeah, right. That would be this mystery force. Yeah, and I think parallels to that are in the Greek tradition, the daimon, the figure that stands between the human and the mystery that is allotted according to, to I think, Plato or one of, yeah, I think Plato said every person comes in the world with a daimon who tries to help and uh, support the person on their path. Yeah, makes make sense. I mean, whether you believe it's a separate entity or you're, it's something of which you're a part that's just greater than the ego itself, yeah, it, it speaks to a lot of things that I and other people, many other people have experienced. Let me switch gears, otherwise I'll use up our entire mm-hmm. time just on this. One of the things you talk about is the practice of asking questions of your dream, uh, your yeah. of your dreams. Now, in, in Judaism, this is a, an ancient practice. The way it's done is you actually write the question out on a piece of paper and you place the piece of paper under your pillow when you go to sleep at night. So, you know, you, you articulate the question by writing it down and then you put it under your pillow and you literally sleep on the question. 
And mm-hmm. then either the, the, that night or some, you know, the next night or whatever, there's a dream that that you can read or interpret the dream in a way that it seems to either deepen the question or respond to the question. I'm leery about the word answer. That sort of shuts it down. But how do you work with questions and dreams? Very, very similar. This is an, an way of asking the dream a question that comes back in, in almost any culture. And the basic steps are somewhat like you describe. So first, make sure that you identify the right question because that it starts there and ask a question that is relevant to your life. So if I would ask, uh, what did my neighbor eat for dinner last night? The dream is probably not going to answer that. But if I would ask a question as, uh, how can I be a more loving person? It appears that that uh, triggers higher responses. And then writing it, I suggest also write it down. Not only does it increase the respect and intention that you have for the question, but also that somehow sometimes the next morning you forgot what you asked and you will read the dream against the question and create a little, it's part of creating a little ritual. So uh, spend a little bit of time on it as if you are asking a old friend or a wise counselor or a respected figure some question, you would tell you to be respectful and writing it down is part of it. And if I would ask for inspiration for my book, I might put a couple of pages of a chapter next to my bed, all kinds of things that would symbolically send my question. And, and then, of course, I would, I would sleep and hopefully dream, write down the dream because otherwise the dream evaporates and then read the dream against the question. And those are the basic steps on, of this method that uh, comes back in uh, Judaism and many other cultures and is very effective. So, so let me ask you a real practical question. When you say write the dream down, I mean, I was taught to write it down. Like if I had the dream and I woke up, I should write it right then. Yeah. And I keep, I just keep a pad and a pen next to the bed. I don't turn the light on. I just scribble as best I can, because I re- don't really want to wake up. I want to be able to roll over and go back to sleep. So, so you're recommending doing something like that as well. Yeah. And neuroscience shows that at night, our short-term memory goes offline. That is why we don't remember being in bed. Actually, yeah. our mind is still having all kinds of experiences, but we forget about it. And the short-term memory only comes back online when we wake up. And that suggests that if we don't write down the dream, it will evaporate. So having a pen and paper next to the bed, scribble it down, essential. Otherwise, 85% of the dreams are gone in a half an hour. You know, you mentioned the question, coming up with the right question it has a big place in, in your book. You have a whole chapter about, you know, formulating the dream incubation question. What well, okay, let me put that in parentheses and then say that I was talking with somebody as I was getting ready to talk with you. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, yeah, I pray. This is how I pray. I pray to God and I ask questions and then I hear a response. It seems to me that this is different. When I'm, no, I don't do this, but it, I'm imagining. When I'm praying to God, it's my normal waking state conscious mind that's praying. And when I hear a response, it's my normal waking state conscious mind that's hearing the response. And I'm not necessarily, because I'm never out of my waking state consciousness, I'm not necessarily tapping into something larger. I'm just tapping into maybe even 
you know, my own ego and I'm labeling that, oh, that was God. And that's why God always tells me what I want to hear because mm -hmm. it's my ego talking to itself. But when we dream, one of the things I love about dream work is that I think, and I think you agree with this already, I think I'm tapping into something greater over which I have no control. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. So that's number one. And then number two, the symbols. The dream doesn't, you know, I get the question and the dream doesn't say, here is the answer to your question, point one, point two. It just gives me a story or symbols or some wacko thing that I have to interpret. And that brings in your conscious, your conscious mind. But it seems to me that it engages with that mind in a way that keeps it open to intuitive insight. It, it somehow, it and somehow opens a channel between the greater unconscious, we'll say, and the waking state mind or spacious mind and narrow mind, as I used the terms before. And then when I wake up, there's still a funnel for this intuition to happen from spacious mind in narrow mind. And it all depends on getting the right question. That was a very convoluted comment. So how do we get the right question that will trigger something beyond our normal waking state? That in itself is a great question. And indeed, it, it, it hinges on asking a relevant question. There has been research at, at Harvard on, on this technique, and they noticed that questions that have to do with one's emotional life or are of a medical nature do trigger a lot of helpful responses. Questions that are too general, too philosophical, do not provide insightful dreams. So questions that have to do with one's life path, they, they are the questions we want to ask. And very often we carry within us question or multiple questions. And sometimes we need to have a bit of courage asking the questions that, we, that, that are in our heart. So a heart-oriented question that, that we have, and most of the time we often already know what it is, that is the question that we, that we best could ask. And, and that would be a generous question to ourselves and also to our surrounding, because if we become more conscious, we usually become more kind and, and better partner or better father or better something. So asking a question that, that is already alive in you and that, that would benefit your path and the people around you is a great question to ask. I, I like the term generous question because it implies both kindness, compassion, but also big. And yes. so I'm not going to ask myself tonight, should I have cornflakes or raisin bran for breakfast? Not mm -hmm. that I eat either, but, you know, as an example, but I could ask the question, which for me is a real question, you know, what is the quality of my relationship with food? I mean, I've asked that question yeah. and the yeah. response I got was, <laughs> in the dream was quite surprising. So, so you want to ask those 
more spiritual slash philosophical questions. But you could also frame it, I mean, I said around food, you could ask a question, what's the, what's the quality of my relationship with X? It could be anything, other people, animals, I guess, that, that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Yeah, and especially if it is alive for you. So if you've right, been uh, right. pondering about it for a couple of days or something that day is very important to you, whether it is what kind of food would my body uh, benefit uh, from eating or how can I, even how can I grow my business, but then ask it in a way of how can I grow my business in a way that I can serve other people better? Hmm. Then you phrase it not only for yourself, but for other people. And, and that, is, that, is, that seems to increase its effectiveness. Yeah, and that's another way of speaking of this notion of the generous question. I know a lot of people who do, who work with their dreams, and they use dream dictionaries, you know, books you can pick up at a bookstore that define the symbols for you. And I don't, A, personally, I don't do that. But B, it seems to me that narrows the possibility of what the dream has to say. I, I have dreams that I revisit. I don't dream them again. But mm -hmm. when I think about them, it could be months, it could be even years later, the meaning of the dream changes because I've changed. So my interpretation changes. Whereas if you use a dream book, the meanings are fixed. What's your sense of how people should interpret these, their dreams? Is it the recommended dream book or? No, I'm, 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 I don't think that the dream dictionaries are very helpful. I've traveled a lot around the world to ask people about their dreams. And then you're in one culture and the snake is a healing symbol. And in the other culture, the snake is the devil. And so what is snake? And one person might dream about a horse and they were kicked by a horse when they were young. And another had always wanted to have a horse. And the third one uh, did love horses. So the, these dream characters or figures or images are usually filled with lots of personal associations. So there's not one fixed meaning. There's not one, one fixed meaning that you can decipher. It, if you want to know more about the figure or the image, you could always ask yourself, what do I associate to this? And that might help you a bit. But in a more general way, especially if people start with dream work, instead of asking the question, what does this mean? One could ask, also ask the question, what is happening? And when you ask the question, what is happening in my dream, you start looking more at the structure. And uh, there was a person who, who did dream about seeing a an, an tiger and then getting really scared and he was backing away. So if you would say what is happening, then when I see something that I'm afraid of, then I back away. And then you could look at where in my life do I see this dynamic? And then you're not stuck on what does tiger mean and all these uh, things, because you could uh, get in a maze and never get anywhere. Yeah, that's very helpful. Which brings me to the notion of Jung. Now, you mentioned your business. How strongly does Jungian understanding of dreams and archetypes play into your understanding? And I mean, what can you tell us about Jung's work? We don't have to go into a biography of Jung. But what uh, you know, mm -hmm. Jung's approach to dreams that can help deepen our understanding just in this short conversation. Yeah. Well, Jung was for me really helpful because it was the first one that I read that really opened me up to that dreams could have some purpose and some meaning. 
And so he opened it up and he did, he had different ways of looking at a dream. One was, uh, what's called amplification. So you have an, an old man in your dream and then you start reading fairy tales and mytholo mythology and looking at what kind of meaning does this character have in these mythologies and might that have the same meaning in my dream. Another method he developed was active imagination in which you would continue to have conversations with the dream characters in your waking life. You might meet this uh, crocodile or this person and then you would see if you could continue to have a conversation and see if they say something back. And there's, if you do it well, there's sometimes some interesting insights that come from it. And, but he, he wrote, yeah, he developed a lot of psychological theories that are very extensive that, that, that could help or play a role. And some are also, yeah, people have progressed a specificness that, that he developed. Still, I think it's helpful to, if anyone's interested in dreams, to at least take a look at secondary material that talks about Jung and his approach to dreams. If you don't actually yeah. Yeah. read English translations of Jung's work in and of itself. I'm conscious of the fact that we're coming up on the end of our time, but I want to ask at least get one more question and hopefully two. Mm -hmm. In the book, you talk about pitfalls that people should be aware of. So I know there was a number of them in the book, but what's the number one pitfall that people should watch out for when they're doing dream work? Well, especially this type of dream work where you ask your dream a question is uh, when you wake up and you say, oh, this has nothing to do with my, uh, with my question and discount it, don't write it down. But what, uh, what appears is if you write it down, that uh, somewhere during the day, it sometimes starts making sense. And sometimes the answer comes from a different angle than what you anticipated, because you were already stuck with this question, otherwise you wouldn't ask it. And so the dream might give an answer to come up with a different solution that you hadn't thought about. And so it's very easy to dismiss it waking up. So that's a big pitfall. So that's really interesting. I mean, don't assume the answer is or is not on the surface of what it is you've dreamt. I mean, I remember one time, this was decades ago, but I had this dream. There were these two people, two very old Eastern European Jewish people going down on a gondola in Venice. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't ask a question. I just woke up with this dream. They're, they're, faces there. The image of these two people was just really strong in my head and I didn't think anything of it. And then that afternoon I was at a bookstore and they had just gotten in this set of dolls. They only had one male, one female, and they were the exact people in my dream. So I said, oh, I got to buy those. <laughs> I don't think the dream was about buying these dolls, but the dolls are not like totems for me to, because I can continually go back to that. It's the wise man, the wise woman, and you could make all kinds of, you know, associations with it. But the dreams live, the power of the dream, I'm asking you, does, the, and I think you've given us the answer, but does the power of the dream outlives the moment that you've dreamt it or the moment that you remember it in the morning or re or reread it in the morning, it can percolate in you for years, I bet. Yeah. And people wake up sometimes, don't remember the dream, but feel that they have an answer. And mm. sometimes uh, it, uh, the answer comes if through a synchronistic event or something else uh, into their life. Right. And I also think that like in your example, where you were somehow did, was able to portray, predict an encounter you had during the day. And that is remarkable that there's something in you that can anticipate that. 
And how it does that or with whatever reason that I don't know, but we, you now know this, the dream can do this. And then why not develop this relationship with the mystery source that uh, seems to know something like this uh, that can happen? And what else does it know? And how else can it be of support? Right, right. I mean, myself included, but people spend so much time meditating in silence or chanting, repeating mantra. I do all these things on a daily basis and ignore what might be the easiest spiritual practice in the sense because you don't have to do it it's happening while you're asleep is you know asking a question and entering into dialogue with your dreams with that in mind could you and this is i'm putting you on the spot here but can you give us some motivation you know people are listening what can you say to us that will say that will get us to do tonight you know to ask a question write it down sleep on it and see what happens what how can you motivate us? What can you say? We'll bring well, that. maybe anyone that is listening, just write down the first question that comes to mind in this moment. What would you want to ask? And then write it down and tell the dream that, gosh, I haven't ever asked you this, and I don't know whether you even can answer this, but I would love to experiment. And so make it a bit playful and put it either under your pillow or next to your bed and just give the dream and yourself the opportunity and the chance to experiment. And there are many questions, if nothing comes to mind, people could ask, what is one type of food that I could eat as really well? How can I love myself more deeply? Those are proven questions that trigger helpful responses. The word experiment, I think, is perfect. Because you know, if you're listening to this and you're going, oh, I do this, or I've always thought about doing this, and I'm going to try it, and hopefully pick up a copy of Machiel's book, Dream Guidance Connection to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. Put in a little plug there. But then there's going to be people going, oh, I don't know, this dream thing. So what you're suggesting is take it as a hypothesis. The hypothesis is dialoguing with your dreams can be a rich spiritual practice. And then like with every hypothesis, you test it. And the way to test it is to do the experiment that Machiel is talking about. So that that really sounds like a perfect way to bring the conversation to a close, even though I'm getting the last word rather than you. Our guest today, Machiel Clerk, is an award-winning social entrepreneur whose latest book is Dream Guidance, Connection to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. He also has an essay, How to Get Guidance from Your Dreams, that appears in the May-June issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about his work at machilclerk.com. Machil, thank you so much for talking with us on the Spirituality and Health podcast. Thank you, Rami. It was great to share this dream time with you, and thank you for that. Thank you. It was really fascinating. listening to the Spirituality and Health Podcast. If you like this episode, please rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share us on social media and tag us at SpiritHealthMag. You can also follow me on the Spirituality and Health website, where I write a regular column called Roadside Musings. Don't forget to subscribe to the print magazine as well. The Spirituality and Health Podcast is produced by Ezra Baker Trupiano. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening.
What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.